Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I read a story actually today about a Haitian pastor who was talking about total commitment to the Lord. And he goes on and he shares this story, and I think it, and he shares the story to illustrate to his congregation the actual need for total commitment. And, and I was thinking in the day and age that we live in, like we talked about, you know, Puerto Rico and we have Mexico, and of course, you guys know, you know, you know the drill. I mean, we've, we've had hurricanes come through and Houston's still trying to, but we, we still need an, a total commitment to, the Lord. And so he writes this to his congregation, and here's his story. He says, A certain man wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man wanted it very, very badly to buy it because he was poor. He couldn't afford the full price. And after much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with just one stipulation he would retain ownership of one small nail protruding just over the door. Well, after several years, the original owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to sell. So the first owner went out, found a carcass of a dead dog, and hung it from the single nail he still owned. Soon the house became unlivable, and the family was forced to sell the house to the owner of the nail. The Haitian pastor's conclusion, quote, if we leave the devil with one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it and make it unfit for Christian habitation. Tonight, church, I want to talk to you about a strong commitment to Jesus. And within that strong commitment, guys, our plan to do it with integrity So we want to have that strong commitment, but we want to do it with integrity. And when it comes to commitment, it was John Holcomb who wrote, you must get involved to have an impact. No one is impressed with the one lost record of the referee. You need to get involved. As we make our way to Psalm 101, here's what we discover, church. We discover David's strong commitment to the Lord. You see, he's about to become king over Jerusalem. And the people right now, as he's about to become king, they're discouraged and they're divided and they're spiritually at an all-time low. And when I was thinking about this and I was reading, I thought, that's us. That's the United States. There's, there's people right now, guys, where we are, we're discouraged. We are wondering, we're sitting, we're looking with our eyes, Jesus, help. We're divided. There's a lot of us and we're just, we're just, at each other. And there's a lot of us, lower guys, in the United States that are an all-time spiritual low. Same thing in David. And it was Asaph who described the situation in Psalm 78, verses 56 to 72. And what he does is he names David as God's answer to Israel's problem. Now, Listen as I read these verses in Psalm 78. Let me set the stage by showing you what Asaph wrote, okay? And see how this would connect to our lives. Look at verse, well, you don't have to go there, just listen up. But if you're pretty fast, Psalm 78, picking it up in 56, it says this, but they kept testing and rebelling against God most high. And they did not obey his laws. 
They turned their back and were faithless as their parents, and they were undependable as a crooked bow. And they angered God by building shrines to other gods, and it made him jealous with their idols. And when God heard them, he was angry, and he completely rejected Israel. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured and be surrendered his glory to enemy hands. He gave his people over to be butchered by the sword because he was so angry with his own people, his special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. The young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then the Lord rose up as though waking from sleep. Like a warrior, he arose from a drunken stupor. He routed his enemies and he sent them into eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah and Mount Zion, which he loved. And there he built the sanctuary as as high as the heavens, as solid and enduring the earth. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and the lambs, and he made him a shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skinful hands. Church, does that not sound like what we're going through? You go, what do you mean? Church, listen to the way Asaph writes this again. I won't go over it, but he says, And they kept testing and rebelling against the God Most High. Lord, we have sinned against you. It says that Israel, they did not obey his laws. They turned their backs and were faithless as their parents. And not only were they not faithless, Asaph goes on to say, and they built shrines and idols. And God said, no, 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 no. And when he heard, he was very angry and and he rejected them, guys. He took his presence from him. And he took his presence from them, the Bible says, but it was only for a moment. And then he rose up and he routed his enemies and he instituted David. Asaph at this point is thinking, wow, David is going to be what? David is going to be Israel's victorious king. He is our Savior. He is our hope. And here's my thought, guys. Here's my thought. We should not be looking for David, but we should be looking for Jesus as our victorious soldier. And we'd be looking and we'd be waiting and we'd be wondering, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do in this finest hour? You see, the world is looking and going, man, everything's falling apart. And here, we as the church are going, no, 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 no. This is God's finest hour. He's going to bring those that are captive. He's going to set them free. He's going to heal those that are sick. And he's going to, we're going to see a great awakening like we've never seen before. Why? Because I know God loves people. I know he loves his people. And he has a plan for us, guys. And he wants to use us. He wants to use us in ways that we've never, ever thought before. He wants to use us, and he wants to get us in that place where where all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's mighty work in our lives, people's lives are being changed. The same thing is happening here. And so Asaph says, notice, he took David from tending the ewes, and he made him a shepherd of Jacob's 
descendants, God's own people, Israel. And he cared for them with a true heart and he led them with skinful hands. Guys, where was David before? David was just a kid. David was a nobody. David had no clue what was going on. And here's what God does. God reached down and he saw David. He said, David, I'm going to make you a shepherd over Israel. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That gives me hope. Why? Because there's a lot of us who go, Pastor, I'm a nobody. God, God can't use me. Don't you understand? I have no formal training. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm insignificant. And God says, that's exactly who I'm looking for. If you'll surrender and open up your heart and say, God, use me. Guys, every morning we get on our knees and we should do this. God, Lord Jesus, please use my life. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. I'm an open vessel. God, please, whatever you want. And then, and then get up out of our seat, out of our knees and take on and see what God has for us and watch what he'll do. And we got to be careful. You see, note with me. Guys, that David, guys, was a man that God called. And he was a man after God's own heart. And see, David knew that if he was going to succeed as king, then he needed to surround himself with godly men who also had a total commitment. Well, pastor, why do you say they needed a commitment to God? Should they not be simply loyal to the king? Guys, listen, David knew that if they were men of integrity and had a commitment to the Lord, they would be loyal to him. This reminded me of a story from Today in the Word, March 28, 1993. Listen to this. During his time as a rancher, Theodore Roosevelt and one of his cowpunchers, lassoed a maverick steer, lit a fire, and prepared the branding irons. The part of the range that they were on was claimed by Gregory Lang, one of Roosevelt's neighbors. And according to the cattleman's rule, the steer therefore belonged to Lang, and the cowboy applied the brand, Roosevelt said, wait, it should be Lang's brand. That's right, boss, said the cowboy. But you're putting on my brand, Roosevelt said. That's right, boss, the man said. Drop that iron, Roosevelt demanded, and get back to the ranch and get out. I don't need you anymore. A man who will steal for me will steal from me, Roosevelt said. So David knew that the men that he had to surround himself needed to be men who were men of integrity, men who had a commitment to God, and if he knew that those things were in place, they knew they would be loyal to him as king. David, guys, learns the lessons that I believe that we all need to learn. You go, what lessons are they? Well, if you're taking note, jot these down. I'll go slow. Number one, here's the number one lesson David learns. We need to surround yourself with men and women of integrity. Surround yourself with men and women of integrity. David's going to do that. Number two, have friends whose commitment to the Lord will challenge you. 
Surround yourself with friends whose commitment to the Lord will challenge you. That's what we want. We want to be pushing ministry up. We want to be pushing believers up. We, we don't want to pull them down. We don't want to see them stumble. Church, listen. Mankind has a bad habit of wanting to pull people down just because we're not walking up. Can I get an amen? And we'd love to do that. Well, you're doing better than me. Come here. I want you like me. And we have a bad habit. And, and here's what we need to do. Listen, David says, let's have friends, guys, whose commitment to the Lord will challenge you. We don't want to be challenged. Oh, don't talk to me about my spiritual life. We need to be challenged. Hey, listen, how's it going, man? How's it going? You know, what? You, remember you told me a month ago you were going to read through the Bible. How's that going? How's that going, man? How you doing? Do you need some help? Oh, well, we need to be challenged. Guys, we were created for a challenge. We need to surround ourselves with friends that do that, lovingly come and love to you. How you doing, man? How's your walk with God? How is it? Boy, always busting me on my walk with God. No, 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 I'm trying to challenge you because I want, I know God has more for you. And when you're being challenged by your friends and somebody comes up to you and says, man, I'm proud of you. Good job. That's, that's amazing. Why? Because that does wonders for you. The third lesson that David learns, and you can write this down, leaders, guys, leaders must possess these three things. Leaders must possess these three. You ready? He says devotion to God. Personal devotion to God. If you're going to be a leader... Well, I'm not a lead. You're going to be a leader in your family. And that's across the board, church, men and women. We need to have a personal devotion to God. Number two, we need to have discernment. Discernment. You need to be discerning. And a leader, David's going to learn, you ready? Needs to be decisive. Decisive. You need to be able to make decisions. You go, Pastor, can you say this again? Surround yourself with men and women of integrity. Have friends whose commitment to the Lord will challenge you. Leaders must possess these three things, devotion, discernment, decisiveness. Number four, does our walk with God mirror what David pens in the Scriptures? That's a good lesson. Does And, and you can write that down, guys. That's a great challenge question for you this week. Does my walk with Jesus, does my walk with Jesus mirror, okay? Guys, the Word of God is a mirror. The Word of God is a mirror, and, 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 and as we're walking, we go, okay, this is, I want to make sure that my life lines up with this. Does my life look anything like this? And it's a mirror. And so we go, okay, let's see, David, does my life line up like this. It was Warren Wearsby who writes about this psalm. He says, this is a psalm of dedication, and it was probably written in the early reign in Jerusalem. We could accurately call this psalm Leadership 101 because David spells out the essentials of successful leadership in the work of God. He's going to spell it out. But if you're taking note, church, and you want to put something on top of this psalm, I'm calling this message single-hearted versus double-minded. Single-hearted versus double-minded. Pastor, why are you calling this? 
Well, tonight, guys, we discover both men in our passage. In our passage, there are those who are single-minded for Jesus and those who are double-minded. So you have a single-minded heart and those who are double-minded. See if you can pick it out as we go through. Psalm 101, verses 1 and 2. Notice what it is. It says, David says, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within the house with a perfect heart. Notice those two verses speak volumes. Why? How do you start a letter? Normally, if you were going to, I mean, I don't know if we write letters anymore, do we? I mean, normally we'll send a text or an email, but how do we write a letter? Dear sir, to whom it may, I love what David, David says, listen, I'm going to sing this song and you know where it's going to start off? I will sing of mercy and justice and I will sing praise to the Lord. Here's my point, guys. I want you to notice David's devotion to God because he starts out, This psalm with I will, I will. And if you're taking note, he's going to use it eight more times in this psalm. I will, I will. I want to be devoted to God. I want want my commitment to God. Now, devotion to God pours out in David's pen, right? His heart rejoices in devotion. I will sing. Can we just stop for just a moment right here? When was the last time we really sang unto the Lord? I mean, just sang. It's amazing. Why? Because David goes, man, I just want to sing. And I know, and I want you to picture this. Out there where David was tending the sheep, he could sing and nobody heard him. But, but guys, and, and so he would sing songs unto the Lord. And it was glorious. And you go, how do you know? Because I got a glimpse of that this weekend. You go, what? What do you mean? Well, it's the most amazing thing because I was asked to teach at a men's retreat and so I drive up and say, Santos, you want to go? And he's like, okay. So he jumps in the car and we drive on up there. And while we're driving up the mountain, he's telling me to look. And so when I look, he freaks out and says, don't look because we're going to fall off the cliff. But when we get there and it turns dark, we saw more stars than you could say. Oh my, we looked up and it was glorious. I mean, stars. Over here, there's so many light, light. I mean, there's just, we don't see them here. I think we were up 8,000 feet. You know what I'm talking about? Ever been in the mountains where you can't breathe? You're like, <gasps> right? Because the air is so thin. But you could see the stars and you could almost like touch them. And I bet David would look up and he would just sing. Guys, guys, be careful. Church, can I, can I encourage you? Can I, can I exhort you that we don't, we don't come and we, okay, we're singing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hold on, where's my phone? And all that is in me, bless his holy. Bless the Lord. That's not worship to the Lord, guys. We need to say, oh, there was David. And he didn't have a cell phone. He said, there's the Lord. And he says, I'm going to sing. What's David singing? What's he singing about? Well, notice it says mercy. There's mercy. You know, what does that mean? Mercy means kindness and favor. I love that he employs that term mercy first because I need mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. I don't know where we got 
in our minds or in our hearts that God owes us anything. Crying out for mercy, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And he says, and also, I'm going to cry out for justice. That means just and fair. David thinks about what kind, what kind of king he wants to be when, when God places him on the throne. You know what he declares? He says, I want to be merciful and I want to be just and I want to be fair. Here's a good application point, church. I think this is what you and I should strive for every day as believers. You go, what do you mean? Listen, as men and women of integrity, we should believe or we should be believers, guys, that we should help with the help of God's Holy Spirit, we should walk in mercy and justice, fairness. We should sing from our hearts and live it every single day. Now, you go, Pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that, you're saying that every day we should get up and we should live and we should, we should be men and women of integrity and we should walk in mercy. What does that mean? When we've obtained mercy from the Lord, we should be merciful. And we want to walk in justice and fairness. We don't want to impose. I mean, think about this. David is about to be king. He goes, listen, I don't want to be, I don't want to be an ugly king. I don't want to be a tyrant. I want to rule in justice. What's fair is fair. Now, here's the question I have concerning verse 1. You ready? Write this down. I was going to say write. Write this down. Write this down. How can David sing of God's mercy and justice as well as his praise? How can David do this? How can he do it? David can sing, guys, because he was so impressed by the character of God and so influenced by his marvelous attributes. You guys tracking with me? Think about this for a moment. Close your eyes for just a moment. Think of the goodness and blessing of God. Think about it. David is so impressed by the character. Listen, 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 listen. What if you didn't have God's word? Could you still see the beauty of God's character and his wonderful attributes? You can see that in the way he lets the sun go down. You can see that in the morning. Some people love the clouds and the rain. So that's this, this, you're God's favorite right now, okay? Somebody's like, oh, I just love this. I just love the rain. It's liquid sunshine. I'm like, please give me a break. But when it's sunny, then I'm God's favorite and warm. See, God loves us, right? But, but can we? Can we agree? Can we agree that we can see his attributes even in the weather, even in the sunset? And so again, David says, I, I, this is how I can do it. Guys, it should be the same for us. How can we sing of God's mercy and his grace and his praises? How can we sing at the top of our lungs? Listen, We need to be so impressed by God's wonderful character and so influenced by his marvelous attributes that we have something to say. Well, you might be asking, Pastor, I I know, I mean, it's, but but Pastor, you don't understand what, uh, where I work and you don't understand how it's it's hard for me just to, to praise the Lord. And well, can I suggest a couple of ways that we praise God? Just a couple. You go, sure. 
How about we praise God in song? In song. You know, if you're an, 80, an 80s kid like me, you'll put on the 80s from time to time and you'll remember some and, and you'll reminisce and say, oh, I remember, you know, I was listening to Journey and those summer nights. And you just, you go back to that time when you were a kid riding your bike and listening to these songs. And I'm thinking, oh, how much more the living God has done a work in my life that I should praise him in song. I love, I love the fact that my wife loves, music is in her bones, and she'll come up with a new song, and she says, you need to listen to this. I know it's six years old, but look, it just spoke. And I mean, and it's just, I mean, it's just that one, right? And you guys know this, because there'll be a worship song that you go, I, I've listened to that like eight times. I never heard it. You know what I'm talking about? It never penetrated my heart, and now I'm like, right? There's a song, Josh, you may know it, or the cross has the final word. Who sings that? The Newsboys, they played that at a conference, and it was right when Nathalie and I were, were in the midst, well, her mostly, but in the midst of cancer, and it really ministered to me because I said, the cross has the fun. The doctors don't have the fun. The cross has the fun. And oh, I could praise God. You guys with me? What's your song? What's your song right now that you're going, I need this? And you play it over and over and over and over and over. See, I grew up with, I mean, we, we, had, we had vinyl. Now, some of you go, what's a vinyl? Never mind. And my brothers used to play songs over and over, and they'd kick the needle, and they'd put it on, and it'd go through. And I mean, it's like, that song again is like 800 times. You're pulling out your hair, right? But I'm thinking, that's what we do now. A song ministers to us. You go, Pastor, what else? Well, I think we can praise God in prayer. Study, guys, do me a favor. Study the prayers in the Bible. Find and read them and study the passages in the Bible where men and women prayed. And you'll find great expressions of reverence and honor for God. And we can praise God through prayer. You can praise God through prayer. Number three, how about we praise God through obedience? Obeying his word. Obedience. Again, church, listen, does, does your life look anything like this? You say, no, pastor, obedience, what is God going to say? I'm going to say, okay, yes, yes. How about the last one? Well, we can praise God through influence of faithful lives, okay? Influence through faithful living. You don't understand. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Listen to me, you all are world changers, Pastor, I'm not a world changer. Yeah, you are. When you guys, when you live faithful lives, you influence everyone around you. And they look at you and they go, wow, I knew you. I knew you. I knew you when you, oh, are you kidding me? And you're so faithful to the Lord now. And it sparks something, guys, and we become world changers. We can praise God, guys, through influence of faithful lives. Everybody say faithful. Say it again. Why, why am I not saying perfect? Because we don't live perfect lives. God's asking us just to be faithful. Show up. Show up ready to go. Pastor, you don't understand my week. 
I know, you don't understand mine, but we're faithful. We're here, right? We're here. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play, right? Put me in. Why? Because God just wants us to be faithful. Will you be faithful with what you have? Church, listen to me. Will you be faithful to read the Bible? Just, just spend time with him. Will you be faithful to do that? Will you be faithful just to pray? Will you be faithful to encourage someone? Man, people are just, they're just hurting. They're hurting and they're broken. And they need somebody to smile and say, it's going to be okay. Well, how do you know that? God's in control. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. The problem, church, guys, is that we have a world that's cynical and a world that stands with their arm crossed saying, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. And we don't, need, we don't need negativity, do we? I have enough negativity in our lives. I say down with negativity, right? Would you agree with me? Let's be positive. So you want me to bounce around, Pastor, all day long going, yay, 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 everything's going to be all right. No, that's not me. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be sensitive to God's Holy Spirit and encourage those who you know needs encouragement. And do it sincerely. Do it sincerely. Second point of devotion found in verse 2, guys, back in our text, because I always run out of time, says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Okay, so what is David talking about here? The first thing we need to understand, he's talking about our conduct and our behavior. Okay, our conduct and our behavior is devotion to God. He says, I will walk in integrity towards the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. You see, David longing for the Lord was connected to his desire to live, how church? A wise and holy life. That's what that term means, perfect, holy. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but David goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, look at this, look, 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 look. He says, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. And if we just simply read that, we go, I'm out, I'm out, I can't, I'm not perfect. He says, I want to behave that way. I want to live in a holy way because I love God. And then he says something here, and you need to jot this down, okay? He says, oh, when will you come to me? And he's talking about the ark. See, the ark had been what? Had been captured by the enemy, and he wants God's presence back in his life. He wants the ark back in Jerusalem. And I thought, the ark represents what? God's presence. I want God's presence back in my life. I want to feel him in my heart. I want to know. I want to know. Here's the thing, guys. Progressive sanctification, God's presence in our life is a daily walk. It's a daily outcrying and it's a daily prayer. My heart for you, church, is that you would know God so intimate and so real. I mean, it's, you would just, you would, I know him. I know him. And you say, man, I just, and I want to walk within my house with a perfect heart. Guys, he determined that his reign would be marked by integrity and godliness. Check this out. David came to royal power. Notice he didn't say, well, I'm the king now. Now I can live the good life. No, he said, I will what? I will behave wisely. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to have the biggest party ever because I'm king. No, he said, I will behave wisely. Notice he said, I'll show them 
all how important I am. No, he said, I will behave wisely. I'll punish my enemies and show them my power. He didn't even say that, did he? He said, I will behave wisely. Guys, church, here's a negative truth you need to grasp. When we become believers and followers of Jesus, we should never say, oh, man, now I can have the good life. We should say, man, I'm going to behave wisely. We should never say, I'll have the best things money can buy. No, say, I'm going to behave wisely. We should never say, I will live however I want to because I'm under grace. No, we should say, I shall live wisely, wisely. David's devotion to the Lord, guys, is saying, listen, is this, this is how we need to behave. This is how we need to behave. You go, pastor, but he's going to be king. I'm not king. You get it? He's king. I'm not king. No, as believers, this is, this is the nugget that we need to take. Our commitment to the Lord should be what? One of integrity and godly. That's what it should be. And you go, Pastor, I got a question. Why? Guys, because people are looking at your lives. You see, God did something incredible. I don't know if you noticed this. He, he gave us this building that we call church, but it's really not the church. You're the church. And so what he said, he says, I want to equip you in here. And then when you go out there, then an unbelieving world will see who Jesus really is in your life. Why? Because you're behaving with integrity. You're not stealing time from your employer. You're not stealing things from your employer. You're behaving with integrity You're being a good example in godliness. Think about this. Your boss pays you for eight hours. Work eight hours. That's integrity. It's a single-hearted person. I love you, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you. Pastor, you don't know my boss. He's a real jerk. You don't know my boss. He's this, he's that. Listen, who are you supposed to honor? The Lord, yeah, say, Lord, I'm doing it unto you. And, and Lord, if I'm not supposed to work there, move me, but I want to honor you. When your boss comes to you and says, hey, you need to fudge these numbers, you need to walk in integrity. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Well, why can't you do that? You'll be fired. Well, then fire me, but I'm going to honor God. Well, I got fired. Yes, but you honored God. And before you know it, God opens what? Other doors. Guys, listen, listen. And, and can I get a witness? Can I get, is that not how God works? If we honor God, he honors us. The problem that I see from, from, from a lot of people is they take God for granted. God blesses them and they go, okay, I'm in good with God and so I'm just going to do what I want and they forget to honor him and they forget to walk with integrity. David says, no, 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 listen. Psalm 101 says, single-minded. Why? Because now in verses three to five, we're going to see the double-minded man. We're going to see someone who doesn't walk in integrity and godliness. Look at verse three. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. 
Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Now, before we go on, we need to look at something. It jumped out at us. It's the beginning of verse 3. I call it verse 3a. David writes, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. Everybody see that? Now, how can we apply this? How can we apply, how can this apply to everyone here today? Well, if you're taking note, the New Living Translation writes it like this. I refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. So, let's chat for just a moment, okay? I think this is a good principle for us to follow. Why? Because when it comes to lust, we can learn the lesson. Okay? Now, when I speak of lust, everybody realize it's just not, it's not pornography. We can lust for anything and everything. Amen? I mean, I mean, we, we narrow it down to, hey, let's not, let's be careful with porn. And that's definitely true. But if we can lust for houses. We can lust for cars. We can lust for our neighbor's wife. We can lust for our neighbor's husband. We can lust for all kinds of stuff. But let's learn the principle. Here's what it says, right? Listen. David says, we're not going to look at, stare, entertain anything that is wicked, vulgar, and vile. Well, let's talk, about, let's talk about lust for just a moment. David's words remind us of what, guys? Job 31.1. You know what he said? He said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? You know what, you know what Job said? He said, listen, that's it. I'm married. I love my wife. I don't want to look at anything else. I don't want to look. I don't want to entertain and then, and then we'll hear these guys go, hey, hey, that's not my wife. She said, I can read the menu as long as I don't order anything. That's not what David said. I can look as long as I don't touch. No, 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 David said, don't even look. Don't even look with that entertaining stare. Why? Guys, I mean, think about that. It happens all the way around. And like Job, David did not, he did not regard discipline over the eyes as basically a measure of godliness, but the primary measure of godliness. David's like, no. You go, why? Think about this. Think about this, church. What you dare to gaze at, what you dare to gaze at, what you dare to what you dare what you dare to look at and long for? You guys with me? Whatever it is, whatever you set your eyes, guys, can become thoughts, and your thoughts will then become what actions, and your actions then often become your character, and your character is everything. You go, how does what? What do you mean? Well, that's how it starts off. That's how affairs. Start. Why? Well, you see, a th- you, 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 whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, did you see that? And then all of a sudden, you keep looking, you keep entertaining, you keep, and then next thing you do, it becomes what? It becomes thoughts. I wonder what it'd be like. My wife doesn't do this. And next thing you know, you're walking in that. And what happens, guys, is your thoughts become actions. Hey, listen, I know we're going out of town this weekend. What, you know, you want to grab some dinner? Well, I mean, we're, it's harmless, right? We're both working and, in your mind, you've already, you've already done stuff. And so he says, oh, sure. You know, I think you're just a cutie pie, and your actions become your character. 
and your character is everything. You go, what's the point, Pastor? Guys, whether it's a house or a woman, a car, whatever it is, a set of golf clubs, whatever it might be, we, what we allow in our eye gate might eventually determine who we are and how we behave. And it might even become our destiny. Be careful. David says, I don't even want to entertain that. I don't even want to entertain that. I'm, I'm going to be king. I don't even want to entertain that. Verse 3. I hate the work of those who fall away, right? He goes on. I shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know the wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. And the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Now note, these are people who are not walking in godliness and integrity. And here's what David says. David says, I don't even want them around me. I don't even want them around me. Choose your friends wisely. If your friends are not challenging you to be more godly, if your husband or your wife is not challenging you to be more godly, be careful. Be careful. That's what we need. We need to be challenged. We need somebody who's going to help us, not bring us down. Oh, reading the Bible again, huh? Yeah. Oh, sweetie, that's awesome. Men, tell your wives your memory verse. And wives, don't sit there and go, really? I learned that in fourth grade. That, that hurts the fella. Just smile and say, that's awesome. Let me, men, women, can, all of y'all, there's nothing sweeter to a man when his wife says, I'm proud of you. I'm serious. I'm so proud of, whatever you do, I'm so proud of you. You're like, wow, wow. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, gals, telling you. David says, I don't even want those people, I don't want these guys around me. I don't want, you go, why? See, David's moved from the heart of a leader, and he's showing us the hearts of sinners. You go, how so? Notice verse, he he says, I hate the work of those who fall away. David knew, guys, he wanted to live a godly life and was wise to keep some distance from those with a perverse heart. He knew what would be later stated in 1 Corinthians 15.33, when it says what? Evil company corrupts what? Good habits. Good habits. Well, Pastor, we're just friends, and, and I don't do what they do. No, but the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. That's what he just said. David says, listen, I, I, I love you. Don't get me wrong, I, I, but I need to put some distance between me and the world because I know that I'll eventually start acting. Guys, we don't want to be, we don't want to, we don't want to build, you know, um, I think Colossians says secretarianism here where, where we're all, we're just our own little holy huddle. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is be careful who you allow into your life. Just be careful. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. 
Why? He says, because they're not real believers. They're not real believers. And he says, number two, he says, and, and, and it shall what? It shall not cling to me. You go, what's he saying? Well, Spurgeon put it like this. Sin like pitch is very apt to stick. Right? He says, I don't. Uh, he says, a, per, a perverse heart shall depart from me. He says, more like an unruly heart or a twisted mind. Uh, David's just saying, I don't want to hang around those guys. Those guys are double-minded. They're claiming Christianity, but they're living like he doesn't exist. I don't know if I want to hang out with that. I want, I want people who are going to help me up, and I want, I want people who are going to encourage me, and I want people who are going to walk with me when I fall down, and I want people who are not going to shoot me when I stumble. That's what I want, David says. And I'm going, isn't that what we long for, guys? This is the kind of church we need to be. We need to be lifting people up. We need to be praying for people. When they stumble, we don't go, oh, hadn't seen you in eight weeks. What's the matter? We go, hey, we're glad you're back. Boom. Love you, brother. Love you. How you doing? I'm not good. The problem is, is we're not honest. Whole nother message. I got to hurry because I always run out of time. Look at, look at number four. He says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, it's significant and grievous sin to lie or speak evil, an evil way against another. The worst slander is the one done secretly. And David was determined to oppose those who did so. He goes, I don't even want that. Him I will destroy. We're busted, aren't we? Because we're, we're, we've got to be so careful, church. We've got to be so careful. I'll say this and I'll move on real quickly. Be careful when someone comes to you and and talks about somebody else. Why? Because you can bet they're talking about you to somebody else. David says, don't do that. I don't even want to be involved in that. I don't want to be involved in that. It's like, it's like we don't understand the cross at all. Why? Because when we, when we slander a neighbor then we're saying we're perfect and we don't need the cross. That's what the cross was for. We're all a mess. I think if we truly, if here, here's the beauty of Christianity. We all understand we're a mess. If you understand you're a mess, say amen. amen. But you also know who you are in Christ, say amen. amen. You see the beauty of that? You're like, I'm a mess, but I love Jesus, so I'm okay. How come? Because of Jesus. If you and I were closed, where would we be? We'd be in the discounted, discontinued rack. We're slightly irregular, right? Some of you are pants, one leg longer than the other. And you know what Jesus says? I want those pants. Jesus, those pants are, look, look, one's two inches long, right? They're perfect for me. Some of you are one sleeve long, one sleeve short. And Jesus says, man, I want that shirt. Do you see how precious you are? The world is looking at the, at the rack over here. It's perfect. Oh, look at this. Oh, this will look really good. My shoes. And Jesus over here goes, give, give me. Wow, that's brown and blue shoe. I'll take those. 
Jesus, you don't want the brown and blue shoes. Yeah, I do. Because they're precious to me. Precious. Some of you are a shirt with the pocket on the backside. I don't even know if you belong. You know what I mean? And you're trying to put the shirt on. You're like, how does it go? I'm not sure how it goes. And Jesus goes, I love you. I want that shirt. We're all, anyway, got way off. Number five, he says, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart. You know what David says? David listed two additional and related sins. The face communicates arrogance and the proud look behind a haughty, uh, a haughty heart. A proud, I'm sorry, a proud heart behind a haughty look. So who, who do I want to challenge me, David says, to walk with me, to be my friend? And how do I want to walk in this life? Davis gives us the answer, look in verses 6 through 8. He says, my eyes shall be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. And he who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence, David says. Early will I destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may be cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And this is amazing. Why? Because David says, I want to be surrounded to help in this walk, in this life, in my leadership. I want to be surrounded with men that are faithful. How? He says, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. David's looking for faithful men, faithful women. David's going, that's who I want. That's who I want in the throne. That's who I want around to surround me. When it comes to those we hang out with, church, listen, our close friends, one characteristic should be faithfulness to the Lord first. Number two, notice what David says. He says, he shall, he shall serve me. Perhaps David spoke as he came to the throne, vowing to find the right people to appoint into government. But the key word is serve, and it means to attend, to worship, and to minister to me. And here's my thought. My thought is we're all called to be servants, are we not? Who are we supposed to serve, pastor? Who are we supposed to serve? Our wives, our friends, our church. We're supposed to serve people. As a matter of fact, in Mark 10.45, it says, For this, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus even gave us the example. It says, I'm going to come and serve. I want to serve you. Every one of us in this room love to be servants until we're treated like one. Once you're treated like one, you're like, did you see what he told me? He told me to clean the bathrooms. I ain't clean no bathrooms. Don't they know who I am? The pastor of this church. You see the bulletin? It says senior pastor. I don't be cleaning no bathrooms. That's for, got to be careful. Why? Because the word pastor and minister means servant. And I need to be the biggest example and my guys need to be the biz- biggest example of servants. Above and beyond. Serving. What can I do? What can I do to serve? What can I do to serve? 
Church, let's, um, let's close out. Let's close out with a couple of points we can glean from this verse. We as believers, guys, should never walk in this capacity of being deceitful and lying. You go, what does it mean? Well, deceit here means falsely, guile, treachery, and slothful, and lies means an untruth. And you go, why? Because verse 7 says, He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house, and he who tells not a lie shall not continue in my presence. And church, listen to me. Be careful we don't surround ourselves with those who are deceitful liars. Now, don't misunderstand me. Those are people who need to be reached with the gospel. We got to do that. But to consistently hang out with such a person will ultimately bring you to ruin. Note David's commitment to excellence. His faithful to the, ne- to the Lord is amazing. His desire to do things right and to live righteously. Your attention, please. Here's the question. David says, I am going to be committed to serving Jesus. And I don't want to surround myself. I'm going to be laser focused. And here's my question. You ready? Drum roll, please. Did David live that way? He blew it a lot of times, didn't he? And you go, well, Pastor David, I know. And it gives me hope. Why? Because it's the commitment that I want to live, even though there are going to be times that I stumble and fall. Because you can point out really, Pastor, he slept with Bathsheba. I know. He was a murderer. He killed Uriah. I know. He tried to cover it up. I know. But David did a lot of other good. Do you realize that he reigned for 40 years trying to be laser focused on Jesus? Do you realize, guys, I mean, do you realize that he, he actually expanded Israel's borders and he defeated Israel's enemies? He actually brought in enough wealth to build the temple. And he wrote the Psalms. And of course, we know eventually he brought who? Jesus into the world. You go, what's the point, pastor? Like us, David had weaknesses and failings. But overall, he sought to honor the Lord and be a good leader. Overall, my life is characterized by following Jesus. That's what, it, that's, that's what it should be, right? What are you characterized by? Following Jesus. We don't need to focus. We don't need to focus on your... We, we, listen to me. We don't need to focus on your shortcomings and your failings. We need to focus on your character. And your character is walking in integrity in a full commitment to Jesus. That's your character. People say, who are you? What do you say? What do you say? Your character say, I am a child of the one true king. I'm a follower. I'm a devoted follower of Jesus. What do, what do, when people ask you, who are you? What do you say? Well, I, I fall in and I've messed up. And, no, 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 no. I don't know. Everybody's done that. Who are you? I love Jesus. Do you make mistakes? 
Well, let me let you on a little secret, okay? Promise not to judge. Nobody, no, but you promise not to, don't judge, okay? I've made more mistakes as a Christian than I did as an unbeliever. This is a judgment-free zone, okay? Don't be tweeting that or writing that. My pastor, I've made more mistakes, but I've learned more. I've learned God's grace in my life. But character, you know what character is? Character is who you are when no one's watching. Are we laser-focused, guys? Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We pray our commitment to you, Jesus, like never before. Men and women of integrity and honesty and godliness, help us, Holy Spirit. I can't do it on my own. We can't do it without your help. We stumble, we fall, we're, 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 we're being enticed by the world. We may have friends who don't have the same commitment, but God, that's our prayer, that we would, we would surround ourselves with the same commitment and, and, and men and women and friends that challenge us to be more godly, to be more like you. Father, give us the gift of encouragement to each other, to love each other, to laugh, to cry, to be real and to be honest. And may we look for your glorious return. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.